Hello, my name is Robert Hagens. And I'm Kay Tuxford. And this is episode 59 of Screenwriting from the Trenches, a podcast about the craft and expression of screenwriting in all of its forms from the perspective of writers just like you. Um, this week, we have our first return guest, uh, Kay Tuxford. Uh, we are also back. First, it was me gone. and I mean, first it was you gone, and then it was me gone. And now we are back. And we brought Paige. Who, we brought Paige. Yes. Paige our first return guest, uh, who is here as a, to be a part of our micro-budget series as we talk about her independent series in Tarabang. But first, as well, always, we as must... As always, we must... Discuss what is screenwriting Twitter, a Twitter about this well, week. Well, this was a really quiet week on Twitter. Nothing big <laughs> happened whatsoever. So this will be quick. Okay. All right. Um I'm, I'm with this with the sass. I I am I am just one big sass of Take it away, right Zach. It's just another day in screenwriting drama, screenwriting drama, screenwriting drama. It's just another day in screenwriting drama. It's another day in screenwriting drama. Okay, so first on the 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 list, uh, Twitter is a hell space, but Stephen King is a boss. Um, we in oh okay. Uh, so well, I can't see Stephen King on Twitter. Uh, because Elon Musk he spent all his money on cocaine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. That's he's a been sober for a while. He's been yeah. sober for a while. He's, he's... Well, yeah, but you know it adds up. It does add up. It does add up. <laughs> I would I would have guessed that like the amount of money that he wasted on cocaine is not really hurting his principal, considering everything oh. that he writes gets optioned within roughly 2.3 seconds of it being uh, finished and and not even published, just finished. It there. comes up yeah. and he gets like a like a an option request, like immediately um, by some yeah. Hollywood person. Uh, I, I would do it. If somebody's like, do you want to option Stephen King's next book? I'd be like, fuck yeah, I got it. Yeah, Me. fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. yeah, I don't care what yeah. it is. I'll, I'll, I'll option it. Be like, he also has those uh, dollar option things on his website. His oh, dollar, yeah, baby. dollar babies. Yeah. Yeah. But dollar those are only babies. for the short stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. There you go. I just knew that they existed. They're short stories that haven't been optioned by any like higher entities. Uh, if they if they haven't been optioned by some sort of by some miracle of you know Hollywood chicanery, um, you know you can option them through the Dollar Baby program, and that's why Stephen King is a boss. But he's yeah. also a boss for telling Elon. Uh, where he can stick his uh, blue checks, his blue checks this week, um, and then I, I hate to use this, but like in total like beta cuck energy, like Elon Musk is there trying to like. There's an exchange between Elon Musk and and uh, and Stephen King is as they try to as Elon tries to haggle the cost of his blue check system, like. First it was twenty dollars. Then he then he asked Stephen King, "Would you mind if, if we made it eight dollars?" And it's like this is why. <laughs> yeah, I think he ignored Stephen King's entire point, which was yeah. obviously Stephen King can afford twenty dollars a month. It's the <laughs> principle of it, which, which is that people come to Twitter to see people like Stephen King. Um, so making Stephen King pay for the privilege to enrich Twitter is kind of asinine. Yeah. At, 
And also it really throws the whole blue, blue checkmark thing into chaos, which has been this oh, week. It has so been, I, I've, I've made popcorn and just scrolled Twitter at least once this week um, because <laughs> the blue checkmark system, uh, now that people are, you know, I guess you can, I don't know, can you start paying the $8? Yes, you can start paying for it, but the, apparently you can't get a blue check. Um, they have, <laughs> you can start paying for it, but you can't get a blue check because, oh uh, <laughs> the system isn't in place yet, but they do have a place, uh, something in place to take your money. So people have started paying for the $8, uh, for the system, but they have not received verification and blue checks and people are upset about it. And, of course. Of yeah, course. Uh, I've also so enjoyed the already blue checked people changing their names and pretending to be Elon Musk or I saw somebody being Keanu Reeves yeah apologizing <laughs> apologizing that he didn't make Constantine 2 yet and that was his bad and people who didn't notice like the handle below you know Keanu Reeves wasn't uh wasn't Keanu Reeves uh just was like they they responded as this was really Keanu Reeves and, yeah you know, they told him to get right on it and they told him how much they loved him. And, you know, uh, everything that the blue check mark kind of was uh, there for it. We're seeing how asinine it is. Yeah, it's it, it uh, turns out that uh, rich people don't know everything. And some of them aren't particularly smart, especially those of whom have run several companies into the ground. Um yeah, I mean, congratulations on that. Most of yeah. us don't have that much money to run to the ground. You know, for us, we're like, oh, I have $10 left over on this paycheck this month. Woohoo, you know, I'm a success. Uh, that, that'll buy you a blue check with a couple bucks for some ramen. <laughs> I know, only for done. a month. That's, that's, yeah. That's a month. But only uh, for a month. All right. Uh, also on Twitter this week, uh, David Tennant apparently is uh, the internet's boyfriend this week. And this goes along with uh, Disney buying Doctor Who, did they? I don't know. I hope not. But, like, apparently um, Doctor Who is going to be airing on Disney Plus next year now that Daddy uh, Russell T. Davies is back, thank God. And nice. um, David Tennant also is back, not as the 10th Doctor, but as the 14th Doctor. Um, we're not sure how that works yet, but the internet uh, combined with... David Tennant also being in a Stephen Moffat show that has now showed up on Netflix was the internet's boyfriend this week and just was trending all week. And there were just a bunch of people posting about how much they love and want to have sex with David Tennant. Um, I am at least in the first category, not so much in the second category, although I'm not necessarily sure. I I'm not sure I would say all the way no. You know, it's not a hard no. We'll, we'll I think he would have to keep the Converse shoes on. Oh, that's so dirty. <laughs> that was not a bad. <laughs> I'm just imagining a bed, and I'm like, wait, it doesn't have to be in a the bed. There's no shoes in the bed. That's the. <laughs> I think no. that's a fair rule. I think yeah. that that should be a, a short for interrobang, uh, because that is pretty gross. Or people who like don't shower and then they get in bed after they've been to the gym like what's with those people oh i've encountered I I, them yeah. i can't even sit on the couch after i've gone to the gym i just feel awful <laughs> going mm. to getting into bed mm -hmm. no they like they do a all right okay i've seen it on reality tv all right uh, Kate yeah, couples have fights you're grossing yeah. us out kate tusford 
I'm not the person. Out. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry about me. Um, Lord. <laughs> Lord. Uh, well, I mean, I think the world has good taste. David Tennant is adorable and lovable. And he's always like, people always have really good stories about him every time people run into him, like in, you know, in the UK and the theater and stuff. So like we could pick a worse person to all want to have sex with collectively. Yeah. David Tennant and Michael Sheen together are absolute magic. That's a, that's a, a an episode of Intero Bang. Like the two of them, like right before, like so, like like a girl won a contest to have a threesome with David Tennant, Michael Sheen. Um, I would I would like to see that as, as don't some limit sort it to thing. just women. People get to want what they want. Okay, sure. We're seeing sure, about sure. sex positivity. Okay, sure. Whoever yeah. wants to enter gets to enter. Sure, I'm I'm, I'm here for it. Okay, and, and whoever um, wants to get entered gets to get entered. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tagline. Um, <laughs> Everyone who wants to get entered, it gets entered. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so the last thing on our on our thing about uh, what is screenwriting Twitter Twitter about is the question was asked, where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? Um, constantly ad nauseum and, and literally at this moment. Uh, on Twitter, as, yes. Yes, as, as sure as you are listening to this podcast, someone is writing, where are we going? Screenwriting Twitter, where are we going? Because we don't know. Because we don't we don't know. We don't know, and there's not really an alternative yet. Some folks have uh, laid out their stories of disaster in joining places like uh, Mastodon. Mastodon, um, mostly. Um, there's also something called Hustle Discord. Up. Hustle oh, Up? Yeah. I don't, is that like a form? I thought it was more like it's, a job. It's, it's like LinkedIn for film industry people specifically is as, as far as I can see it. And there is a feed, but it's mostly self-promotion. It doesn't seem to be actual discussion. Ah, no. Yeah, I kind of live for Twitter. Like people just telling me what they had for dinner and also right. like, you know, sharing various injuries they had during the day, like watering their plants like i need i need the basic stuff i need to feel like we're all human beings yeah yeah i i don't you know and i love uh you know i've sort of um love going through like with my twitter parents i have uh cindy bagel uh who is my twitter mom and i have javi who's my twitter dad and jim cummings who is my my twitter uncle twitter uncle yeah. um yeah so you know i have i have my my twitter families um you know and then i have my twitter brothers and sisters like Paige and um and uh jason thornton uh, are you gonna mention me or no yeah I was <laughs> like, like i don't I, I shouldn't get mentioned before Kay. well no Kay, you're <laughs> like I my like, twitter work wife so i was like i'm getting yeah. work wife i knew it, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you know i was in the middle of my class last thursday and he texts me and he's like what's for dinner and i was like <laughs> Go talk to your actual wife. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kay was like, wherever you put it, go like leave me alone. I'm working. And I was like, all right, okay. Yeah. Also, you're a grown ass man and you need to yourself. And you're Technically, on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we don't know where we're going, screenwriting Twitter. We don't know. We there has been no sort of the thing. All that we know is that. The, the spaces that we sort of could, um, you know, sort of congregate, uh, or at least the possibility of, uh, are 
not well suited for the experience that we're used to as screenwriting Twitter. Um, a lot of people have brought up, you know, of course, I think the, the biggest two have been like uh, Mastodon, which crashed. Um, as people started migrating off of Twitter on the Mastodon. And then we have Discord, which won't crash, but feels like a 90s, like- Chat room. Uh, it's like IRC. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like one of those message board type things. It's not, It's that's a step backward. It is a step backwards. Yeah, and everybody's working off of different servers on Discord. So you'd have to know the right yeah. one to be a part of. There's yeah. a couple for screenwriting that already exists, but- Unlike Twitter, where you can just like type in a hashtag screenwriting and start interacting with the community. Right. You have to kind of like keep getting invited to groups or searching for mm -hmm. these groups. So and it's and then you have to check like group by group by group. So it's, yeah, I'm I've on yeah. like three I'm on three groups on Discord. One for gaming, one for um my um my my Writers group. Writers group. And, yeah. Yeah. And another one for another game. And that's too many. Like there are too many things. So I'm like you open it up, there's like 180,000 messages, and you're just mm -hmm. like, ah, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. There's, if somebody is looking for a Discord group with a lot of screenwriters already in it, some from Twitter, uh, there's a, let me pull it up. I was going to say, um, Yelena War and Joseph Mwamba run one called, yeah. I think it's the WGA uh, Screenwriters Discord or pre-WGA Screenwriters Discord. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of the most populated ones. It's been going since the whole pandemic. So uh, you'll see a lot of faces from there that were on Twitter. So if you're going to go to Discord, I would check that one out. And they're very welcoming right now. So as yep. always. Yeah. But uh, with that sort of handled, uh, well, let's move on to the topic of the week, uh, which is our guest, Paige, Paige. Um, and how she uh, banks in the yeah. micro-budget uh, space. And so I, I, we'll, I usually we'd ask, uh, what, what got you into the business of show? But I, I want to start with this one with a new question. And this is, I'm, I'm proud of the wording of this. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And the question is, why do you do the micro-budget, uh, Paige Feldman? Why do you do it? Uh, because no one is handing me giant checks to do other things. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, I, I think, honest and true. Yeah. I think a yeah, lot like of it. our micro-budgeters may say that. Yeah. So yeah, I, um, I, I to, to, to be less glib, um, I have wanted to be a writer-director since I was eight years old uh, when I saw the Flintstones movie and saw that Steven Spielberg had produced it and I hated the Flintstones movie and I thought I, an eight-year-old, <laughs> could have made a better movie. How dare and, you spit on John Goodman? Um, uh, he I did mean, his I was, best. Yeah, I was, I was eight. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie since because I don't want to like it <laughs> now because it'll ruin my, it'll ruin the story. So okay. I've seen it once. That's all I'll see it. And I hated it when I was eight and, uh, so I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Since if it if I was a third grader and could make a better movie than Steven Spielberg, then I I was set in this business. Ambitious, yeah. Ambitious, yeah. I was you know not not lacking in confidence. And uh, then I I went to film school at USC. And while I was there, I was still wanted to be a writer director. I got into this group project, and there were there was a group of four of us, and we had to 
decide who was going to be what to make a short film in this class. And there was a producer, DP, writer, and director. Those were the four positions. We all had to choose one. The person who wanted to be the DP, was that was what he wanted to do. The person who wanted to be the producer, um, that was what she wanted to do. So the, those two were sold. And then there was me and this one dude who both wanted to be a writer, wanted to be the director, because I knew I could write already. I wanted to try my hand at directing with like a crew without, uh, well, I, where I wasn't the one holding the camera and producing. And he wanted to be a director. And so we did this. Um, we, we, it was but, a duel to the death. It was a duel, exactly. Uh, and we each had to pitch our take on mm -hmm. this film that we'd already kind of fleshed out the story for. And he went first. I did it blind. I don't know what he said. I went in. I talked about the story and the relationships between the characters and how I kind of saw the tone of the film. And then the producer and the DP had, had a, little, uh, a little talk and decided that the guy was going to be the director because... I cared so much about story, so I should be the writer because he knew what the shots should be, the the other guy. And that's what the director was for. And so I, I thought that I'm, I cared. Yeah. Sorry. No, He's outraged. I'm He's yeah. out, she's <laughs> outraged. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, it's hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to. Hey, it's raging. Hmm, okay. Well, I. I think they're wrong, but that's what <laughs> school is about. It's about being wrong, and hopefully everybody learned their lesson. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I was the right. I wrote the script. I watched, you know, watched, you know, we made the little student film. It was fine. But I took the lesson I took from that was that I cared too much about story to be a director. So I huh. stopped trying to direct for many, many, many years until I got this idea for Interabang, and I thought... I, I still kind of want to direct. Maybe I can do that with this this idea where it's just a few minutes. It's two people, one room, really easy to fan finance myself. And if I like it, I can keep directing. I can keep making more and self-finance maybe. And if I don't really like directing, I've made a short film and then I know. And spoiler alert, I loved it. And I this is I want to be a writer-director. And I and the, and the micro-budget... The, the idea came in micro budget form and so I was able to do it and that's again that's where it's like so no one's giving me a blank check so I got to work with what I have which is not a lot of money but some a friend that was just bought a condo and had bedrooms available see Kay, that's all you need that's Kay great and I have talked about this on the podcast multiple times about you know that that first sort of uh set experience you know, like where you are in charge, like that, that will just, that will change, like, you know, that'll decide whether or not you want to do that, like ever again, you know, so, but I want to know, um, what did you learn about writing in Bang versus shooting in Bang? Um, so what I learned about writing from Bang was that, uh, okay, so I have, I'm terrible at contests. Screenwriting contests don't like me. <laughs> I I don't I don't think I know the that judges. Pain. Yeah, and and I I'll get good feedback, but I'll never advance. And so I was a little I was very apprehensive the first night of shooting uh, the the series and the episode four that just came out. Crying was the first one, and 
my DP in the middle of a, a break turned to me that night and said, um, so I read the scripts and they were fine, I guess. And like, I was, you know, I was excited to be working on a project. This is my first time being a DP, but now that I've heard the words, I get it. And this is so cool. And I'm so excited to be here. So oh, I think, that's like, nice. it was, it's like the best backhanded compliment I've ever gotten. Um, and I love it. <laughs> Uh, it is, it, it's sort of, it, that validated the fact that all of the voices that I'm hearing in my head, what I'm writing actually are like, it is coming through when people are saying it. So I learned number one, that the contest judges didn't like, didn't not like me because I wasn't good. It's just that maybe they didn't get it. They were like my DP. Um, I but feel like also, that during casting. Yeah. Like I always feel like that during yeah. casting. You're like you're listening to people like read it and you're just like god i'm a bad writer i am mm -hmm. a terrible terrible writer and then you know then somebody comes out and you like reads it the way it's supposed to be written you're like oh okay it was just them forget everything i just said i'm amazing right. um, <laughs> <laughs> i feel oh, that see, yes i was gonna say i'm usually like i'm sorry to like 80 percent of you uh because i needed i needed to lift you all up but yes there's only so much lifting you can do sometimes um absolutely well i'm glad i'm glad that you have those uh performances now we i saw so far the first three i didn't know number four dropped yet uh but i have to say hands down my favorite one was the farting dutch oven same uh, <laughs> same i have uh, a, i actually have a great story about the writing for that one okay. i want to hear it i want to hear i it. had initially written that one and I, so the first episode, which is the one with the vibrator, that was the pilot. And I made that before I made the other five, because like as a proof of concept for the crowdfunding campaign. I also filmed a different version of um, More Than Words, which was initially called The First Fart that <laughs> night as well. Uh, and it just, it wasn't working for a variety of reasons, um, and some of which it was other people, but a lot of it was the writing. And I, after it was over, I realized that I had created a lot of, so in the episode, these two people are trying to one-up each other with the grossest things they've ever done. And so initially it had just been a fast talking, boom, 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 boom. Here's this gross thing. Here's that gross thing. And there was no heart in it. And mm. so... I, in order to, I, I realized when I was editing it, like, this isn't, I can't, this is unusable. I won't, like, no one deserves to see this. Uh, and so I rewrote it to try to find the heart. And I, like, basically found, just, like, digging into my own ideas of, like, what does love mean? And why is this important for this relationship? And I found the heart inside the farting and peeing and Gatorade bottles and, licking your athlete's foot and <laughs> just people picking like your picking your teeth with a toenail that wasn't yours yes, yeah that's amazing that was, that was the one where i was like oh that's the worst yeah uh, yeah no yeah, see, I mean, like it's, it's i, I so think cute. i've actually yeah. i've actually said something like you know i think i've said things like that to my wife because we have different senses of smells and i think i've said something similar to my wife i'm like no you don't understand how gross i am like you don't get how gross I am. You have to understand where's where I'm coming from. You have to get on my grossness because I am like I'm awful. And you know, like 
that like when he said that and in like the second episode i was like all right I'm, I'm i'm in i'm this is this is hilarious like i'm in for this whole conversation and them going back and forth is just the cutest thing like i would watch that couple like i feel like they need their own show like i want to watch <laughs> just those two like you know and it would be like a thing like of like them like keeping tabs of like something gross that they did and then like <laughs> come back and like telling each other like like uh like it like the episode ends with like what what gross things they did that week like every episode um i will watch it i want to see it <laughs> need a spinoff feel better while we sit on our own couch in our own grossness right yeah. it does it makes you feel better It'd be like oh, like yeah, no. one of us yes <laughs> Have, that's I'm true glad... though i that's that's a very truism i really feel like you know like the the vibrator all of them are true but i feel like that first like the first time that like that's an actual like moment that i feel like a lot of people like really relate to is the first time that you fart in front of someone like you know what i mean because like it's just it like <laughs> there's there's a really funny college humor uh thing where like uh this like they show like how like women don't fart um and then there's like there's this thing where this woman like you know she walks around and like these guys are like waiting for her to fart and then she does she never farts and then she shows her like going down this elevator and into this like uh like chamber and then like going behind this frosted glass and then she just explodes with flatulence it sounds like dying. <laughs> like, and i was like this is the greatest thing the college humor has ever produced um wow yeah anyway wow. that was that that was uh i i want to i want to know though speaking of other shows and after shooting um like a full season of interrobang like you have a yeah. full season like what kind of movie or television show do you think is possible at a true micro budget level so i'm actually writing um a feature that i'm planning on doing it at a micro budget level. It's Yay. a contained romantic comedy. Um, I, when I worked in development, I did a lot of horror and sci-fi and a lot of the horror I did was the contained in one house monster in the house sort of horror, right. $250,000 and below budgets. And so I'm taking that model and I'm applying it to a romantic comedy because all you need the same things for a romantic comedy that you do for horror, which is two people, one location. Right. That's all you need. And, um, and instead of scary things, you just have a lot of kissing and that's an arguing. And that's a lot cheaper than scary things. Paige, are you making a porn? Just tell us if you're making a porn. I, I won't, we won't judge you here. We'll put you we're... on the other, other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't no. pink shame on screenwriting from the trend. No, I was going to say this. Did you see during the pandemic, uh, language lessons? I did not. I have I have it on my to watch list, but I know what it is. Robin and I are got super, me on this one. She, yeah, she, we're super fans. It is a yeah. it is a rom com, but it, without uh, it's a friend friendship rom com. Yes, and it is it is delightful. Technically, it's two locations, but uh, it's really just video screens. And you're right, right. You're absolutely right. Like as long as we're interested in what people are talking about and doing and connecting, like we'll watch them read the dictionary because we understand the like the subtext and that i would really i would i you know like two actors who i would literally watch read the the dictionary together would be adam sandler and uh oh man jennifer aniston would watch them seriously read oh. the dictionary together the two of them are just magic and well i, I mean, don't know why that drew is. barrymore no 
No, no. You, you don't like 50 first dates? No, oh. I do not. Oh. No, I do not. Oh, no. where's your heart, Rob? It's with Jennifer Aniston and Adam <laughs> Sandler. I just said this. I, I would just watch Bradley Whitford read the dictionary and yes. he would be a one-man rom-com. Like, he could just read it. And I'm like, done. Yeah. Could okay. see it. Would watch. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. What other questions do we have for our lady here? Uh, you should ask the next one. Well, let's talk about what are some no-nos in micro-budgeting filmmaking where like uh, when you're writing it, you realized it was a no-no or maybe you on set, you're like, oh, oh, this was not right for micro-budget. Um, that is a great question. I don't know how much I ran into it for in Terabang because I, like I said, I worked in development on low budget, you know, micro-budget for features, low-budget films. And so I kind of knew what my limitations were. But the biggest, the, the the biggest like, what the heck am I doing moment came um, in the middle of filming episode five, uh, which is, oh God, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting what it's called, um, faking it, called faking it. And it was um, two women who are, it's, it's basically about, does like, will you still love me if you hate my art? What if you hate my art? What if you don't understand my art? And so- we're in this attic space in my friend's my friend's um, condo that he had just bought and let me film in it. And there's all this beautiful light and it's a very strange shape. And when we were measuring everything out and planning out our shots and doing the walkthrough, we didn't necessarily account for the extra bodies, the actors and the size of the camera and where the, the focal length was needed to be. And so on the day of the shoot, it was a mess. We had to throw out all of our storyboards. We had to, um, like, just kind of, like, run around. The editor, when I gave her the footage, she came back to me and said, nothing is, everything breaks the 180-degree rule. I don't, I cannot cut this together. So to tell her to just forget the 180-degree rule, we somehow made it work. And we also forgot to get coverage because of all that. The episode doesn't look like it. And luckily, there's a giant argument in, as a centerpiece, so the confusion of the shots actually works. But I would say, like, planning and pre-production for micro-budget is so key because you're working with a skeleton crew. And I'm also I was also producing this. And on that day, the people who or the act one of the actors who was going to film episode six called and said, "I just got booked in a role in a in a commercial that shoots in Chicago. My plane leaves at six p.m. tomorrow. Can we move the shoot up three hours?" And so I had to reorganize that. So I would say as much organization as you can do in pre-production, the better, because you're working with so few people that you're going to have to, you have to wear multiple hats. And so the fewer hats you can wear at once, the better. Hell yeah. I agree with you. Even more bodies in the room. That's part of it. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think I'm you not... just answered our, our next piece of, 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 uh, of our question, um, which was you preempted us. Give one piece of irrefutable advice to micro-budget filmmakers or screenwriters. This is, you will stand on this hill. This is something oh, you feel to oh, your core. Right. This is a, this is a, a like a. This is your bolded slug line. Yeah. Like a 10, it's either a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, you know, cause I feel like everything is sort of, is like every rule is like nine out of 10, you know, like, you know, it always works except that one time when it doesn't. But like, I want this to be as close to a ten out of ten as you can as you can come up with. 
I oh this is this is tough now it's like <laughs> so I'm, all, I'm like big up, I'm Jewish so it's like it's the, the the whole thing where it's like two Jews three opinions I'm one Jew I have three opinions so <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out which uh what I can say that the other two people inside me aren't gonna say well um and I the thing that came to mind first is to listen to your actors um listen to your characters because one thing that so I love working with actors that's my favorite thing about directing because especially like for multiple reasons but especially because when they look at a script they look at it completely differently than a writer or a director does they're reading a script for the person that they're playing so all of the questions that they have come from what am I doing how do I make this real and if they right. have a question about what is, you know, why are they saying this right here? The answer can't be because it's funny. The answer has to be grounded in some sort of personality, some sort of uh, want, need, desire. And so I would, I would say, like, listen to those questions and don't just like, don't fall. And I guess this kind of goes to don't fall so in love with your work that you can't find a way that you can't find a way to change it and make it better as you're going through the process, because I like um you, the Jennifer is the actress in um more than words the one with the the farting she is the queen of asking questions and her questions are always like spot on so whenever she was saying and I she was uh she's in how to fall in love the hard way my audio series too whenever she asks a question I'm just like I just brace myself I'm like oh no I've made a mistake and when we figure out a way to fix it and make it better and reconcile whatever I've written with her take on the character and her insights into the character and it ends up being better. So I think, I think listen to your actors, but also even if you are, if you're not working with actors, never, never get fall so in love with your work that you are unwilling to change it or question it. I think those are great words to live by. I wholly agree with that. I agree with those. I, I, I can, I, I think you nailed that. I think the um, three people inside of you should be very proud with that one. <laughs> I've had those moments too where like, you know, uh, like you're like you're like two hours behind and you're you know, you've rehearsed the scene a billion times and then you get on set and then you know, you're just like, all right, we gotta move. And like the actors are like, why are we doing this? And you're like, and there's like this person inside of you who wants to like, like this film gremlin who wants to explode mm -hmm. out of you and just start beating the actors with sticks. Yes. Um, <laughs> and like, you try not to let that person out. You're like, stay inside gremlin. We cannot yell at these people. We don't pay them enough. And then My, you're just like, yeah. yeah. And so you're like, uh, okay, let's examine the scene. Um. Uh. Wh why? Why are you? Why? Are, because it's in a script. It's in a script. <laughs> yeah. My, I think my gremlin must be that the same version of me that's like five and played with Barbie dolls because I'm just like I just want to grab them and be like you there you there da, 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 da. like that. now kiss <laughs> now kiss done you're done <laughs> now I have to pop up your arm to take off your shirt like it's fine I I also no. work wardrobe sometimes on consent. Set. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> the Barbie didn't consent. No, um, but yeah, As no, I, yeah, okay. It's like, I it just, you know, I, I hear what you're saying and I definitely think that, you know, and this, it's one of those things where you can sort of, uh, you know, especially on, in the heat of the moment or in the heat of the scene, you know, when an actor has questions, 
Um, <laughs> you can be like, uh, okay, all right. Cause you know, cause depending on like what the situation is, you know, like then everybody's like, I'm looking at you like, are you just going to answer? Or are you just going to deflect, you know, like that sort of thing. So, um, you know, the director's, you know, main job is just answering questions from everybody. Yep. Yeah. Um, but the answer yeah, and making that. and making their questions feel relevant because they are relevant. Everybody's right. trying to do the same thing, so yeah. you're just kind of tucking everybody in together and syncing them up, you know. So, so it is valid. So it, just, it does feel like sometimes you're like a parent with like a car full of, <laughs> full of like yeah, like ten children in the back, all with different issues. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, let's move on to what are we watching, consuming, writing. Um, I started rewatching She-Hulk because it's that good and I'm <laughs> sick of the slander. Um, I just, I, I won't have it. I won't have it. She-Hulk is the most authentic thing that Marvel has produced. And when I say it's authentic, I mean, Marvel has finally kicked my habit, my desire to want to buy comic books which is great because comic books are $5 an issue now. I don't have the money, but I do have a Disney Plus account. So <laughs> that is what I use to get my fix. So and you're she starving Marvel to feed Disney. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not starving? Are you seeing what the money they're bringing in? It's crazy. No, I'm not listening. Anyway, they, make, they made She-Hulk, and it's very accurate to the comic book. And so it, it's, I think it's the most comic book accurate thing I've, I've, that I've literally seen. It's so great and I love it. And I literally am not here for the slander. I won't do it. Um, I tried to get through a rewatch of Doctor Who, but after the pawns leave, and I'll leave it at that, um, it gets and a little dicey. And the angels take Manhattan. It's a, it's a hard one. It's a hard ep. No. Yeah. No. Um, it's it, that once the pawns are gone, it, it's a little dicey. It's a little dicey. Um, the specials that Matt Smith does are pretty great. Um, but you got to get through that season with him and Clara where she's a plot device. And then Capaldi shows up and they don't really know what to do with him because he's too old to run. And then... <laughs> and he's He's yeah, so second, grumpy, yeah, yeah. And, and their sound mixing is bad. I'm right. like, what is he saying? What is he saying? Eh? Yeah. And then second season with Capaldi, they made Missy a thing, and that's pretty good, but Bill is awful. And then you have... Jody. I feel so bad for Jody. It's not her fault. They hired Chibnall. Chibnall is the worst. He wrote dinosaurs on a spaceship. Okay, I liked dinosaurs. Honestly. No, Kate Tuxford, no. I do. No, you take but I, that back. I don't. I won't. Oh. I won't. Like my favorite episode of like all time oh. is probably Blink. Like I'm, I'm classic. I'm classy. But yeah, yeah. But that's but... a Moffat episode, and during the Russell T Davies uh, uh, era. Anyway, it's bad. Um, it, it's like it just it yep. doesn't. Anyway. It'll be okay, Rob. They they always move on. That's the joy of Doctor Who. <sighs> like if you fall out of love it with it, it keeps. Yeah, you just have to wait in. until Russell T Davies comes back, and now Daddy's back, and I'm I'm glad I'm grateful. So anyway, <laughs> I started rewriting my horror script because Kay Tuxford was shaming me, um, and as she was writing her own, and I also because I quit my job to go freelance, and Daddy needs money, so um, got to get that horror money. <laughs> 
there are a lot of daddies in this episode. yeah <laughs> a lot of daddies it's a lot of daddies um uh, yeah nice. anyway, whatever go ahead what did you okay. do page what are you yeah, start watching page. I'll, I'll button yeah. this up yeah all right uh so i've been moving which means that i have been turning on um twister i rewatched twister while i was yes. packing uh Ooh. which still holds up still great one of philip seymour hoffman's best roles why can't and, we have uh, a normal day together yeah <laughs> And it is like a remake of His Girl Friday, which is what I love about Twister. It is the same story, but with a tornado. So my romantic comedy loving heart and my like gets gets to meet like cheesy action film from the 90s. And it's it's fantastic. Uh, As far as new things, I have been slowly getting through The Watcher on Netflix, which is weird. You can get through it. Yeah, Um... it's, it's weird. I, I'm not usually a huge Ryan Murphy fan, but this I feel like is taking the best parts of his inclinations for camp and just running with it. And who doesn't love Jennifer Coolidge? So yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, and hey. um, yeah. Oh wait, oh, no. no. Oh, you got more? I got, I got, I got one more. Quantum Leap, the new Quantum Leap on NBC. <laughs> nice. It is surprise. Like I, I stopped watching. I started watching the old one, and then once it turned into uh, Scott Bakula's The White Savior, I stopped. This one, <laughs> I mean, was very prettier. Like six episodes in. Um, this one is, it's working for me, and I know it's a little bit of like a trash TV dad TV, but it's. <laughs> Back with the dads. It's fun. Yeah. That is the joy. Like, I don't know if you guys had this feeling, but dad TV was like the stuff that came on in the middle of Saturday. Yeah. Dad were hanging out like, and it was always like Hercules and Stargate and like really bad shows that didn't have time slots elsewhere. And, and it was just like, yeah, that's what we do. We, we sit and watch these cheesy shows. Yeah. Pinnacle dad TV. I love it. I, I would, like I really would love to like I think my dream job and this sounds weird in like television would be to be put in charge of a of a Knight Rider remake. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would do it. Yes, I would do it. I would. I would almost do it for free. I, I would do it. It would. It would be amazing. I would do it. Hundred thousand dollar question: Would you put William Daniels back as the voice of Kit? Um. Or would you get someone else? I mean, I would try to get him, but he's uh-huh. he's good getting up there now. But I would yeah. try to get him at least right. as a cameo as the original yeah. kit before you like get to like the night. Okay. You know whatever thousand that we're up to at this point, but like you know, like I would I would try to get William Dan- Daniels in there, and I would try to get the Hoff, of course. But I, yeah. I would I would more I would so 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 like want to uh, to do like a. A Knight Rider remake in terms of like trash 80s TV remake. Beautiful. Love beautiful. It. Hey. Me. Uh I would make Xena Warrior Princess again if that's what we were talking about. But um <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh that's probably where I grew up. I mean, now I'm like, oh, maybe that's why I'm not so straight. But with more um, bi energy. With <laughs> with so much bi energy, although it yeah. does have a shit ton. I don't you don't want to overdo it at that point. <laughs> like this is, again, this is porn. Yeah. Right. Um 
but I, I think so. What am I doing? What did I do this week? Oh, for Halloween, I actually watched a horror movie. I'm very proud of myself because I'm very scared of horror movies. But I saw Barbarian. And nice. it's, it's good. It's good. Um, Is it though? Is it? Did you see it? No, because I won't watch it because the trailer made me not want to watch it because I'm watching that lady like go down. Like there's a there was a meme going around when that movie came out was like when you go down a murder when you go down a set of murder stairs and you see another set of murder stairs, you don't go down the second set. Even if you went down the first set, you don't <laughs> go down the second set of murder stairs. And I, I was agree. like I I, I, I so identify with that. I can't what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you watch it, she she accidentally gets locked in the basement, and so she's no. trying to find a way out. No, she shouldn't yeah. have gone in the basement in the first place. That's she needed toilet paper, Rob. She needed toilet, toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so so it was it was a yeah. I agree, though. I would have busted a window and crawled out or something. I would not have gone down, especially yeah. It's a pretty creepy murder basement to begin yeah. with. So, like, I saw Dahmer a couple weeks ago, and I was like, yeah, probably that's where Dahmer, like, ate a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so I saw that, and I was proud of myself for just watching it. I think it's got, like, really indie vibes. It plays with sequencing and format, which mm-hmm. is nice. It has a very abrupt but satisfying ending. Like, it's just like, and we're done. Um, yeah. Which, which I, <laughs> I liked, because I was like, I, I didn't want to, you know, deal with, like, another epilogue after that where everybody is like well that was weird um so so i appreciated that it felt quick and effective um so so props to them especially because they don't really watch horror movies so thank you and yes i will not go into basements or second horror murder basements yeah Uh, no just don't do it (laughs) i'm from arizona we don't have basements the first basement i was like no you don't store your toilet paper down there that is where you lock it and that's you never go there um but oh well uh so then i also saw this week i saw i saw the netflix a couple episodes of the netflix blockbuster show which was just it was just bad uh i think <laughs> i think i think they watched the net the last blockbuster documentary and that was so sweet and nostalgic and they're like we'll just make those characters our characters uh but there's none of the charm of like the Netflix era because it's gone, you know? So like, I don't know. A lot of people were like, I was hoping for like a retro superstore and what they got instead was like a lot of whiny, like 30 year olds. And so yeah, that's I don't what know. I was hoping it was like when I saw it, I was like, Ooh, are we going to do a, like the, like a thing, like something that's like happening, like circa like 2004, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely yeah. like a 2020 sort of story. And oh, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so so a lot of people were just like, oh boo. Um, so so everybody's kind of disappointed in that. And I did uh I did start watching for the first time ever Mythic Quest, which I'm enjoying. <gasps> oh yeah. I saw love a trailer for the, the latest season and it made me want to watch it. Yeah, it's definitely fun. And obviously you'll see a lot of actors that you're like, Oh my god, it's her, it's him, it's her, it's him. So uh, you know, definitely if you like some it's always sunny folk there and there. Uh they got the Daniel Pudi, who plays Ovid in um community is there he plays an asshole uh so if you want to see him in a very different role there it is uh so yeah it's very delightful um so that that's what i'm working on and then i am doing a class through roadmap right now and i had to clean up a script one of my sci-fi scripts to send off for coverage through them i don't normally do coverage so i'm kind of like but i sent it off the other day and um 
I feel so bad because I sent them a script that's got like a back and forth alternating timeline between a spaceship and a VR world people are in on the spaceship while they're in cryosleep. I've so read I'm... the first efforts on that script. Yeah. I don't think it's that like, okay. you know, intensive. Okay, uh, good, good, good. Because I turned it into a TV pilot and it, you know, it ends when things start going wrong. And both, I mean, in both timelines, things are going terribly wrong. So, but it's also kind of a romance. Uh, I'd like you to know, Paige. Just I disagree. Their mental heart. I disagree. Yeah. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> if the characters are still the way that they are, other. they're pretty toxic and they're awful and they're like, it's of not course. a romance. Of course. Well, it's about two people who think they fall in love in virtual reality. And we'll go from there. So it's Ready Player One, but better probably. Meets Gone Girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was going to say, Ready not. Player One, it is not. That's, that's a little, that's way too lightweight. I don't know, a toxic part. relationship in a VR world? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah. That is true. That is true. It's more oh. Total Recall than the Ready Player One. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there's a, there's a... They're like you're fucked. By the way, and yes. this is a long flight. Um. <laughs> all right. So that's what I'm working on this week. And yeah, I think that's our show. Uh, well, first, wait. Uh, nope. Yep. I forgot the resource. My bad. This My week's bad. resource, of course, Kate Tuxford is Pages series and Tarot Bang, uh, which yes. will be linked in the show notes. Uh, the age of independent TV is almost upon us, my friends. As our friend and last week's guest, Zach Morrison, said in last week's podcast, even if you don't sell your thing, it's much better to have as an example of your work because we all know in this business, people don't want to read your script. They don't. They don't. This is true. So be like Paige. Be like Zach. Yes. Make a thing. And support people who do like Paige by watching their things. And cribbing ideas as to how you want to make your thing. And together we can bring Hollywood to its knees. We can become the only fans of mainstream filmmaking. I'm not taking that back. I said yeah. what I said. Okay. 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 And that is our show. <laughs> <laughs> Screen ready for the trenches can currently be found. Or an Anchor, Apple, Google, and Spotify podcast, as well as KevinOMartin.com. And our screenwriting Twitter drama theme song was written by Zach Morrison and used with his permission. And hey, uh, since we're a new podcast, we'd appreciate it if you dropped us a like, rated us five stars, because why? Algorithms. For questions for us that we can and will answer on the show, email me at RobertBespectacleBuffalo.com. You can always... Also find us on Twitter. I For am now. at the Spectacle Mofo. <laughs> <laughs> I am at K underscore Tux. Paige. I'm at Pfeld. And Zach is at Zach Morrison 18. And these things as well as my YouTube channel series where how to make a movie for a thousand dollars will be rebranded into the cinema challenge series. It's all going to be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you will continue to do so. Now, stop procrastinating, Big Daddy. Those pages aren't <laughs> going to write themselves. Oh. You know what, Kate Tuxford? I'm, I'm, I'm done with your sass. I'm done Good. with it. Thank you I, for being I a guest bounce. page. Yeah. All right. Oh, my God. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed these episodes. So when we, uh, when we 
announce it, I'll also make sure we link your your stuff. I'll I'll retweet it. And awesome. Stuff so people can Thank watch you. It.